Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Vegas Studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Day late and a Smurf short, but guess what? We're here! <laughs> oh my god. Day late and a Smurf short. Sponsored by none other than Susie Q's at the end of the table, Hello. who's who's coming in special just to, to help catch us up. Because her and I have been reeling and recovering from... <gasps> God, so much stuff. We had a big day on Monday. We had a very big day. It's been a big week, and there's no sign of any of it letting up. Oh, no. At all. Oh, no. So, Monday. Let's start at Monday, shall we? Do you want to start with Monday? Let's start at Monday. All right. So, for the spectators at home and the millions around the world that listen to us, thank you so much. Give us a like. Give us a share. But now we're going to fill your ear holes with some magic <laughs> happenstance of rainbows and mythic creatures. Is none oh other God. than Neil Gaiman decided to grace our beloved state with a with a visit. Oh, my gosh. So Neil's on tour. Yep. It's the first tour since COVID. I think it's it's the first it's, tour in like four years. This is the big one. He's hasn't he's been hiding. Right. So we were asked to come down to the Paramount and chip in with um the pre event book signing. And uh some of you know that uh we're friendish with Neil. Um and so that was that was a big honor. Um but the highlight for me like hands down, it was a bucket list moment. And I can't believe I did it. And I'm still like, my heart rate just went up again, (laughs) thinking about it. Um, When they were here before, the last time they were here, I was invited to introduce Neil on stage. And uh, I chickened out during the sound check because you know how I am. I'm not, I, I get a little stage fright and and public speaking scares me as I do it right now. Um, <laughs> so I, I chickened out and I couldn't do it then. And I've moped about it for years. And uh, you actually helped me. You helped me with that. And we prepared and practiced uh, doing the podcast and in person. And I went out on the stage of the Paramount Theater um, where the likes of Lou Reed and Elvis Costello and and Neil himself have tread before. Uh, And I looked 1,863 seats in the in the face. I introduced Neil Gaiman with my heart racing. I forgot to introduce myself in the process. (laughs) Uh, But it was yeah, it was definitely a life highlight for me. The best visual that I can give is you're basically Gamera. You you stuck your head into your shell and just blazed, just <laughs> ran right off of there, ran right out. Oh, my gosh. You kind of did this little haphazard kind of little rascals wave to, to, to everybody. <laughs> it's just fine. Oh, my God. The I was telling you yesterday, my mind, as I was wrapping up that speech, my mind went completely blank. And... All I could see before me was Tom Hanks from uh, the <laughs> the Wonders movie. Oh my God, that thing you do. Yep, thing you do. Where he looks at the at the gentleman and says, "I don't care if they want an encore. When you're done, you unplug and run off the stage." And that was it. That was Tom Hanks was telling me to GTFO from the stage, and and that was it. And it was a little bit awkward and probably pretty amusing if you saw it in person, but. It um. was it was quite adorable. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, well, evidently she's done. <laughs> and I think what was funny about it was that um, <laughs> Neil was kind of – Neil was, I think, trying to position himself to give you like a hug or a handshake because yeah. he, was, he was very um, – He's very situated to do so because Neil's coming out on stage and he's got his papers and he's got his, his bottle his water. of water and the man is the man is prepared to entertain. And 
Susie delivers this this heartfelt introduction, and um, Susie just Susie just boom, just gone, just gone. I mean, I don't even think Neil just kind of looked like. I know, I know. I'm so embarrassed, but I just got. I'm so unaccustomed to being in that position. That is not a natural state for Susie. And um, I just, my nerves were getting the best of me. I didn't trip on anything. I didn't trip on the step up to the stage. I didn't trip on all the audio cabling. I didn't barf or burp (laughs) when I brought the microphone to my mouth. So we'll call it a win. Even if it was awkward and a little silly, I'm going to mark that as a win and i would mark it as a win because my my bet <laughs> as i'm sitting off stage right that first thing out of Susie's mouth as she brings the mic up to it is just going to be this horrendous <laughs> oh belch this homer style because <clears throat> i really was expecting that this is right. the, the nervous just anxious cause energy was, yeah because i knew you weren't going to hurl i knew that much Oh my god! I wasn't. I wasn't sure. <laughs> that was. I was sure. I didn't see. I didn't see any of that coming. But I was expecting kind of like a. <laughs> That's that would have been totally, totally in yeah. the wheelhouse, is my guess. Uh, but Neil did a spectacular job, and I had forgotten how loquacious that gentleman is when it comes to sitting down and telling a story. It is, it's, I like, oh, there's a couple it's, of stories. The genie one, or no, orange it, wasn't the genie Orange one. was different from orange the genie Orange was different, one. but uh, the genie one, the gin, that was, that was pretty, <clears throat> I'd never seen him read that one before. Well, it's new. Oh, well, that's um, why I've never seen it then, I guess. Because <laughs> I, I'm not a huge Twitter user, but I am a huge Neil fan, so I was aware of this. Um not long ago, he asked for basically writing prompts based on the months of the year. Right. Oh, that's and right. The month of – no. Was it May? May was something else, but okay, go on. Yeah. The, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> of course, I get froggy on recording day. Um, the gin story was uh, for October. Oh, and then okay. there was another story where a um, presumably a woman receives uh, an anonymous Mother's Day card. And that was that was sheer delight. That was hilarious. Um, and it was basically that. Well, we'll talk about the genie one first. Um, he the genie is called out of the lamp by. A woman and he offers her everything. He offers her all the wishes to which she refuses. And um, the genie initially is frustrated because that is his job is to answer these wishes and um, provide one's heart's desire. And over time, this relationship forms. And one day the woman, you know, they're waking up together in the morning and the woman says, well, what was what was your heart's? What's your wish? What's your heart's desire? And the genie realizes that he's living it. Mm-hmm. And that was so touching. Um, I'm here to tell you that our dear Smurf did get a little misty. Not I did. F- not full on tears, but no. there was some. Uh, there was some dust There's flying a sn- in a localized. Allergies uh, <laughs> are a bitch. Um, it was it was wonderful because he mixed new things and old things and audience questions. And we had a little Neil Adams tribute and it was just, it was a very endearing, it was a very wonderful moment to be back together, not only to be um, listening to Neil describe his process and his work and his life, but also to just be together as a community of people, which we haven't we haven't really gotten to do all that much lately so not really it was a real the whole evening was a real treat and yeah it so was, it was fun i've never seen anyone blaze through a stack of books signing that fast in right? all. i mean it was like 700 books in an hour yeah yeah i um, was just mystified 
Well, and you got to see the prep work for that, but what, but what you didn't see was the ordering process and how, you know, um, that had to happen so far in advance just because of the current state of shipping and, and there's some, uh, there's a paper shortage that's affecting publishing. Yeah, it's, it's, um, there's all nuts. these things. So they've, they had to order these books so far in advance and then, um, you know, receive them into the inventory system and then prepare them to go out again to the venue. And then for ease of use, they must be stacked in a certain way so that Neil can sign that many books so fast. And so it's just, um, I don't think people really appreciate how these things come together, that there's a lot of moving parts. Um, and that's okay because at the end of the day, it's awesome to just sit back and you're um, probably what me- must be the most uncomfortable chairs in the first world. Oh uh, <laughs> even though I, I love, like, uh, uh. I love the, I love the Paramount. I love the venue, but the chairs are not great. Um, but it's nice to just put your feet up and, and enjoy this this moment for for all that it's worth, even if you don't see all the moving parts behind it. Yep. We did get to chat with Neil, had some nice conversations. Yeah, we, we did. We um, During the the presentation, though, because there was a question that I kind of I, I kind of softball pitched to him while we're doing the signing, of course. Well, actually, I. Zuzi uh, kind of pitched it, but it was one of the things that her and I discussed when we were prepping uh, about Good Omens. Oh, yeah. So during the, um, the, the, the event, uh, in, the, in the cards was a Good Omens it question was. about, you know, what do you think Terry Pratchett would feel about Good Omens 2? And Neil's yeah. response was pissed because Terry... Uh, wants Good Omens 3. But to get to Good Omens 3... You have to have Good Omens 2. You have to have Good Omens 2, which leads Susie and I to believe there's going to be a Good Omens 3. Right. That this is just, this is just oh my a gosh. precursor to it one was... more story that we don't know about. <laughs> I talk all the time about how... Um, Jeremy's, in a, Jeremy's a nerd in a different way from me. And so he gets really excited about like science things and Star Trek things and J. Michael Straczynski. Uh, wow, I'm glad I pulled that one off. Um, <laughs> and so he doesn't like comics in the same way that I do. Um, but I talk all the time about when we see a Marvel property or a Star Wars property and I get really excited and I smack him on the art like poor smurf bore the brunt of that on monday night because every time something exciting happened every time we found out a new sliver of information i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god um and that was what it was like when we were talking about good omens because when you read that book it's it's over you read the book and it's It's over like it has a conclusion and it turns out, and I don't, since he's talking about it during the events, I don't feel like this is a spoiler. Nope. Um, but it turns out that they had a plan all along. They did. That there was always more good omens in the works. And um, and that it isn't just, well, it isn't just, you know, public demand that is causing this. It, it was always there. Well, And he even <clears> said, because when Cindy kind of softball pitched the question to him, um, he's like, well, because I forgot how you phrased the question, but it was similar along the lines of where where is Good Omens 2 coming from? Did you have like – oh, yeah, because right. you and I had speculated that he had access to Terry's, Terry's notes, notes similar to Douglas Adams. And right. that was like the ongoing conversation between Susie and I. Uh, but then to come to find out that him and Terry had lengthy conversations right. in regards to the characters, the property, and everything. And this was always the end goal. Right. Just w- Terry's passing. Right. There was always more. Stopped. That, pro- yeah. that, that, that progress, essentially. We, and you and I have talked about it here on the podcast before. Like, it seemed kind of random for those of us not in the know at the moment, you know, that there was more good omens because again, you know, the book ends done. The story is over. That's that there is no more. And so to find out that it was always, it was always in the plan that it was, um, it was always there is, it, it, I mean, I, I'm such a dork for Neil and Terry's work. And so, absolutely, uh, it, it was just, a, it was so exciting. And 
Should we talk about the other thing we got to see? So as we are <laughs> sitting there and we see Neil blaze a trail through 700 books. Right. Then comes the personal items. And we, we, we you know, he pull all these out and we had some of our own stuff. We're all kind of done. And Neil goes, ah, we got a minute and a half, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Susie's d- doing the intro, and she's down here. So, yeah, I mean, she doesn't right. have to go out there until you're ready. How'd you guys like to see the trailer for the the the, the show that's coming out? What's what's the name of the show? Sandman! <laughs> oh, He's my like, God. You guys wouldn't want to see a trailer for Sandman, would you? All of us in that room right? Yes. The, the tattered cover staff, the, just, uh, the oh. two of us. We're just like, oh, my God. And so... And so... Out comes this tablet with it already downloaded on there. Right. So he's been watching it over and over again because I can see him compulsing about layout and everything because he's very involved in this. Yes. Um, But we get this amazing opening scene with Morpheus. Oh, my God. And then, and I have had my speculations and I have voiced them appropriately because I am still of the mindset and maybe less now after what I've seen. Right. John Constantine should be male. But after seeing Jenna Louise Coleman or Jenna Coleman, I don't know if she's still doing the full I don't know. I don't know. But playing Joanne Constantine. Well, remember, though, Johanna Constantine appears as her own character early in Sandman anyway. And so it might be a timing. It might be a timeline situation. I don't. um, You know, they've been very tight lipped about this story and about probably because they fear the nerd backlash. And and I don't usually I don't usually jump on those bandwagons. But um, for those of you that know me, Sandman is super important to me and I am afraid I've been afraid all along I've been excited um and I was afraid and I'm here today to tell you I have no more fear evidently Netflix saw (laughs) the wisdom in letting Neil just run the project right and uh what Neil is delivering is oh so fucking impressive oh my I don't like I want to gush about this. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but we do see Johanna Constantine. We do. We see um, Morpheus. We, we see, see kind mo- of Morpheus. We see Morpheus in the helmet, which yes. is when I started smacking Smurf. Yes. I, mean, I was like, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> we do we, get, a, we get a small taste of death. We got a full-blown panoramic scene of the entrance to the Dreaming. We saw the dreaming on TV. Well, on iPad. On tablet, but but yeah. uh, like that just blew my little pea brain right there. I just like, did you hear it? It just went plink. Uh, and I'm surprised that I'm not still in the basement of the Paramount drooling on my shoe. Um, it's it's going to be good times. It's going to be good times. And I cannot wait. There may be a little more weight involved, according to Neil. Um, He's trying to get it to come out a little bit later than planned, and rightfully so, because he does not want to compete with Game of Thrones. Right. He doesn't want to compete with Lord of the Rings. No. And there was one other show that was all, like, around the date. Right. That the fear of Sandman getting lost in this this barrage of shows is is a is a logistic nightmare. Yeah. So, let me clarify what we saw was an unreleased trailer. It will be releasing soon. Um the public will I don't know when soon, but but eventually Did you say like by the end of, end of the month? I thought so, but I don't like I'm my I'm a little fuzzy from fangirl um <laughs> fatigue. I think he was and, he loosely said Hopefully right. by the end of the month. Right. So we didn't see anything except the teaser trailer. Correct. There, we don't have any top secret information, so please don't inbox us or blow up phones or anything because we don't have anything to tell you. We, we can. I'm not, I'll just ignore you. We got a sneak peek <laughs> of something that's going to be publicly available in short order. Um, and so it was It was incredible. I cannot freaking wait. I, I have huge my, – my faith is renewed in, in – in, the grandiose, the grand right? scheme of thing, in, in the cosmic balance, it has been renewed, and I feel I feel more confident moving forward because I was Boy, that's I like a win. you was afraid because I love Sam Keith's artwork. Right? I love that whole opening to the beginning, and let's face it, if they if they muck up the beginning, 
It's all over. It's it's game over because so many over. things are set up in that that first right. six to ten issues that just set set everything in. in, in I play. know, I know. That is such a huge. It's such a huge part of who I am, and and I mean truly, truly. I was so young when Sandman came out and I tell this story all the time. So I'm sorry for repeating myself, but I was 10 when Sandman came out. I, I was, and it came out in November. So I wasn't even quite 10. I was about to be 10 and I'm standing in the comic book shop in my neighborhood. My, my dad was in one of the shops next door, so it wasn't free range, but, um, I was standing there with my little pocket money and I saw number, I saw Sandman number one on the shelf. I think it was between, I think it was next to Preacher. Um, <laughs> and it looked so glorious. And I talked the guy into selling it to me and he made me buy an Archie too because he was afraid of sell- selling a NC-17 comic to a, a little child. And he made me promise that my parents weren't going to come back and yell at him for that. <laughs> Which they did not. Um, but I had to buy something kid appropriate too. And I didn't know what I had in the, in that moment. I didn't, but I knew it was special. I didn't understand all of the concepts at that time, you know, but I was hooked. And uh, back in those days, in the olden days, you used to be able to subscribe to comics. There was a subscription card on the back page. And so I got, again, my little allowance and pocket money, and my mother wrote a check to Dark Horse Comics. <laughs> or DC. I was still on DC at the time. Uh, she wrote a check to DC Comics, and Sandman came to my mailbox every month, uh, except for those two months after the first issue where they didn't publish. And <laughs> um, I had the whole run. And it as I grew up and discovered what it meant and what, you know, what they were really talking about. It, it is part of me in a way that nothing else is. And it helped. Well, like I said, on Monday night, help me become the person I am. And I'm forever grateful to Neil and the, and the extraordinary team of artists that Dave McKean, Chris Bicello, uh, Jill Thompson, we could go on and on about, the amazing work those people put out over 75 issues and it just inhabits me in a way that nothing else does and so to get to see it on screen uh is unbelievable it's just this breathtaking moment where I can't believe that we're living in this time where such things are going to be available you're all excited. I'm so excited. I, I, if I don't sound excited, it's because I'm exhausted. It did take a um, lot out of us. <laughs> By the end of that night, we 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 get out of Dodge. We get home just to come back here and just like a coll- – yesterday was just such a roller oh coaster gosh. for us because <laughs> we're still reeling from the high of Monday night. We've got right. other events coming. Um, we've got a new uh, somewhat partner – uh, that we'll be working with for future events. Woo-hoo! We've got uh, so much going up. There's also a new sponsor for the podcast in addition to Susie Yay! that I have signed on that Susie doesn't know about because I haven't told her yet because this all just, just kind of came together yesterday. So it was just a bit nuts. Well, okay. it's okay. Like, I don't have to. I'm not no. territorial. Yes, you are. I want everybody to succeed. Yes, everyone's going to succeed. So we'll succeed and tell you some other stuff that's going on around the Geekverse. Because one of the other stories that we saw, yeah, we'll go to this, um, is because while we were doing all of this, this kind of came out and no one was able to react to it like the way I wanted to. But Doctor Who is named its new Doctor, the 14th Time Lord to enter into the TARDIS, is from Netflix's sitcom Sex Education. Uh, Shaniqua Gatwa? Sure. We apologize. We are unprepared to pronounce your name. We will learn it before next time. Well, and I was (laughs) Sylvester McCoy. Right. um, Actually, you know, gave a nice heartwarming welcome to the TARDIS kind of statement on the Doctor Who website. Uh, so this is a very interesting turn of events. Nerds are, again, of one mind or the other. They're for it. They're against it. But every – you know what? When I look at this, I think this is how every 
Doctor Who fan is. Yeah. They don't want to see their doctor leave. No. But they're excited to see how and why and what. How the story progresses. So we don't know when. We don't know how. But evidently he's been sitting on this since February that he is known. So what a RT- champ. RTD has been hard at work. It's true. Behind the scenes setting up the next embarking. Embark- right? Yeah, just taking off. <laughs> Doc- Doctor Who content is so, it's one of the most closely guarded secrets in entertainment. I would say after Marvel and Star Wars is Doctor Who next. So he sat on that since February. Yeah. Good for him. I mean, that alone for me means that he, it shows that he's committed to the project and to do his best. And we've had some, we talked about it very briefly yesterday with some of the other uh, people in our office here. And there, there are mixed feelings across the board. And, um, I say give him a chance. It might work in his favor that he's relatively unknown. Mm-hmm. And let's see what happens. Don't. Because I feel bad. I was never against a female doctor. Right. I still think it was a reaction to Missy, the success they had with Missy. Right. I think they were trying to recapture that lightning in the bottle that Missy brought. Right. That I think only she could bring. And they're like, hey, let's do this for the doctor. I think. She was dealt a very huge disservice by Chimnall being right. the writer for And this. you've said that all along. Yes. The writing didn't support no. the work that Jody could do. No, not at all. So I'm excited to see this. And he actually, um, the actor, I'm not going to try and butcher his name again, the new doctor. We will learn your name. I will learn the name. <laughs> uh, the new doctor told BBC News, uh, it feels really amazing. It's a true wrong. True honor. This role is an institution, and it's so iconic. He went on further to say, means a lot to so many people, including myself. I feel very grateful, God, grateful to have and had the baton handed over, and I'm going to try to do my best. You're right. It's difficult to see somebody else step into your doctor's shoes. And it's always always a bittersweet moment. But I think if we... I think we need to give him a chance because the other thing that you and I were talking about yesterday is this poor man is going to bear the brunt of all of the hatred. All good and bad. Um, When, in fact, there is a large team of people and he is simply the face Mm -hmm. of that team of people. Like I was saying earlier, you know, it's easy to kick your feet up and listen to Neil talk for two hours without without identifying all the work that went in behind the scenes and so there are producers and directors and money people and bosses that may came together and made this decision it is not simply the actor's decision to come out here and be doctor who there's a whole team of people working together to put him forward in this iconic role and i think if we all just take a beat and look at how that comes together um I think it's going to be something magical. I think it'll be fine. And I and I made this analogy yesterday, and I stick to this, is if Edris Alba, which was one of, like, the heavy favorites, right. everybody wants to see him. But he was never going to do he, it. We can't afford Edris Alba. Let's face it. I mean, the man The man is, is amazing. He's wonderful. He's not going to have the time. I mean, or the dedication, because the man needs to get paid. Right. And he's going to make a ton more money doing the films he's doing right versus doing a weekly series a weekly series yeah. so but if edris alba had been the one that they named as the doctor none of this blowback none of this flack no. any of it everyone would be like i'm excited to see what he brings exactly and uh, well let's talk about the idris alba rumors surrounding 007 exactly it was Another the same thing. thing there was no there was no r- well, at least it wasn't highly publicized racial related anger, according to that. You know, everybody was just right. super excited because he's a great actor and he would be really interesting in that and role. I think everybody genuinely likes him. I think so too. And so let's, why don't we give this new gentleman a chance to become that well respected and well received and not be so, not be so disparaging yeah well and i think with 
if okay even more so if Chimnall was still in charge and this guy was coming in I would fear the worst I'd be like this is it this is the iceberg that's sinking the Titanic we're gonna see the TARDIS implode <laughs> it's over but given Russell T Davis's track record he brings us Christopher Eccleston yes who let's face it no one else could have brought the doctor back the way he would have. And nobody wanted Christopher no. Eccleston to come back and, and be Doctor Who. Nobody no. wanted that. No. And then Tenet. Now, Tenet, a little more well-known. Right. But yet again, still mm-hmm. a, a, a known quantitative acting prowess. He, You know, we saw him in Harry Potter. Right. Huge theater background. He was better known in the UK than yes. here. He was. Um. And same with Christopher Eccleston. Well, he's gone in 60 Seconds and a couple of other Right, films. right. But still better known in the UK yes. than here. And, you know, they looked at Christopher and didn't see the ideal Doctor Who. They looked at David Tennant and maybe saw the ideal Doctor Who, but were afraid of his selling power in America. Um, Matt Smith, I feel like, embodied both. Uh, I I don't dislike Dr. Eleven. But he's a little more, he's a little too frenetic for my personal taste. Peter Capaldi? Um, no, that's Smith. Eccleston oh. is nine, Tennant oh, is right. ten, Matt Smith is eleven. Right. Um, you know, he did a fine performance. The material was fine. It's just not my personal taste. And it's okay if it is your personal taste. I'm not mocking you or making fun of you. But you know, they're they're doing they have this huge lineage to deal with and they have generational fans like Star Wars and Star Trek and that is imposing. It is. So I would not want to, I would rather I think I would feel more comfortable as a companion than as the doctor. Exactly. I mean, would I turn down the offer? Fuck no. <laughs> and remember again that it's very easy for us. We have nothing at stake. It's nothing. very easy for us to complain and criticize um, because we didn't create it. We have nothing on the line here. We didn't perform it. We didn't write it. We didn't shoot it. And so I'm just saying, let's just be a little kind and yes. see what happens. Let's see what happens. I did like that uh, Neil uh, Gaiman was talking about Sandman. And oh one of the characters that he wrote for in Doctor Who that he killed. Yes. Um, I think it was Brother. I think yes. it was who is referring to brother in uh, the Doctor Who series when they're living on that planet or they're on that living planet. <laughs> oh, and then and he killed a, him again in Good Omens. He kills him again in Good Omens. I just, I just oh, like. Oh no, Nancy Boyce. Was it Nancy Boyce? I totally lost. I know him. he. I remember. Evidently, it. he's in one of the projects, and he yeah. leans over to Neil and's like, "You had to kill me again, didn't you?" You, like, you killed yeah. me twice. Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sure did. Oh, too funny. So we'll see what happens. There are There is still one more episode with Jody, maybe two, because we don't know how this one ends. Right. But this is the quantitative or whatever, the big, this is the big end. So uh, to celebrate the BBC's anniversary, Doctor Who, the master is coming back, who I actually really like a lot more than I thought I was going to. And uh, I guess we'll see what, um, what happens. We'll Fingers crossed. see. We'll um, see. Speaking of a, uh, this is this is out of okay. It's kind of out of the blue, but it's not. And speaking of a IP or something that has carried a love in a lot of people's hearts, mine included, because this was this was an amazing series. But back in the day, NBC had this show called Quantum Leap. And just a tiny little show. Just a tiny little show. You just may big, not have heard of it. May not have heard about it. <laughs> Theorizing one that can travel within the span of his own lifetime, Dr. Samuel Beckett steps into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanishes. Waking up to a face that not his own, Sam finds himself. Looking at a mirrored image that is not his own, striving to set right things that went wrong. Went wrong. Yep. With each leap, hoping, hoping the next leap will, will be, be the leap, leap home. home. We um, did skip over the owl portion of it, but yes. Right. So, uh, friends at home, he read that. He was looking in my eyes the entire time. He was not reading it off a screen. That was off of memory. Our Smurf has that memorized. <laughs> so, I. Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. Uh, this show was groundbreaking for so many things. Uh, and there, 
their approach to topics, to uh, injustices, to, to just a commentary of society right. was spectacular. Then you throw in the sci-fi element. You throw in Dean Stockwell is Al. Who's never not great. Who's never. I mean, later when he showed up in Battlestar Galactica, it almost broke my heart. Oh, my. Because he was such a sinister bad guy. Brother Cavill was Awful, wasn't he? I mean, just evil, just but evil to the core. All I could see every time he was standing there was just him with the cigar and and the keypad. Oh, mine goes back to when he's Doctor Yui in Lynch's Dune. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh, that's... Another, yeah, he was another fiendish character. He's played more baddies than he's played good. Doctor Yui wasn't isn't a fiendish character. He is a man backed into a corner. Yeah, but mm. we'll have to. I mean, I could do an entire episode about Doctor <laughs> Yui, so don't. We won't. We won't go into that far right. deep of it. But according to NBC, uh, the Class and Quantum Leap series uh, has been in the works for quite some time, with a pilot ordered back in January. The production on the initial episode recently wrapped. On Thursday, NBC made the call to move forward, officially ordering the Quantum Leap sequel to uh, confirm more episodes will be filmed uh, in uh, the coming TV se- next TV season. Actually, is what they're saying. Is um, it? Is I'm sorry. Is it a sequel or a reboot? Well, now here's uh, okay. So or a continuation. I think the series the series is very interesting. Um, with the fact that it's Don Belisaro is still involved. Okay. He's an executive producer. Uh, the sequel uh, will be alongside uh, Stephen Lillin and Brian Winbrandt. Boy, we jacked up everybody's names yeah, today, didn't but, we? You know, it's not a podcast unless <laughs> I butcher your name. <laughs> Deborah Pratt and uh, Martin Griot are also involved in the project. NBC's okay. new Quantum Leap follows the team that has been tasked with restarting the Quantum Leap project. Hoping to find answers about Dr. Sam Beckett, the man that built it three decades oh, prior. Oh, okay. The original series starred Scott Bakula, of course, as Dr. Beckett, who used the Quantum Leap, blah, 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 blah. Raymond Lee plays the lead character in the new Quantum Leap, starring alongside uh, Caitlin Bessett. Uh, Ernie Hudson will be in this. Oh. Mason uh, Alexander Park. And Nasarin Lee. There have been right. talks regarding Scott Bakula reprising his role as Sam at some point in the series, but nothing has been uh, materialized okay. so yet. So it's new people looking for Sam with yes. his established technology. So yes. I would say, just in my own opinion, that that's a continuation of the story rather than a sequel. Um, I I mark a distinction, and maybe you don't. No, I but. I do, and I I like it that it's 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 a continuation okay. because it's not a reboot because I fucking hate reboots. Well, and a sequel, <laughs> a sequel. I mean, <laughs> is is a sequel's a sequel. I mean, that's it's it's bringing everybody back. It would be bringing right. Scott. It would be bringing Gushy. It would be bringing right. everybody back. My hope is that we get. We get the other characters. We get Gushy. We get Ziggy. We get right. everybody. We even get um, uh, Doctor Khaleesi. What do you think, Sam's wife? What do you think they're going to do about no Al? Gene? Well, and I have a theory. Could be bunnies. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Could be bunnies. My my Buffy the Vampire Slayer trivia is showing. Sorry about that. <laughs> um. <laughs> You have a theory. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I derailed the whole train. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shit. Um, <laughs> the um, I have a theory because it's so easy for something in the military to get mothballed. That's true. Like all of a sudden they lose funding. Yeah. They 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 don't have a chance to find Sam. Then there's top men. And 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 that's it. Yeah. And of course Al was already older. Right. And with Al's passing, there's there's really nobody that can talk to Al or find Al or or find a Sam. Uh-huh. Okay. It's just kind of maybe with the passing of Al, 
like I could see Al's memoirs or his diary or something right being handed off or something along those lines of like right. please find Sam because he's out there and even the final episode Sam never leaves home yeah that was the definitive the final right right text on the screen Al gets to go back to his wife Sam, Sam fixes never it, comes and, home and Sam never leaves home right and that was it right Okay. And then came the sad, lonely man music, and you're just like, <sighs> like, you know what that reminded me of? Uh, um, the the Incredible Hulk from when we were kids. Yeah, the lonely man, <laughs> the, the lonely yeah, man walking yeah. music. Do, 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 exactly. Do, do, do. Yeah, yeah. That fi- that final music kicks yeah. in, and you've got Sam and Al sitting there. Sam's in his era. Al's in his uniform. Sam's in his jacket, and they have this this, this light light nice moment and, that, and that's it that's it <sighs> heartfelt send-off i think it was premature i think the show could have gone more than what it did because i mean it went four years well you know it's all about ratings and advertising yeah. and money and because uh, some of the greatest shows that we've ever seen have only had a season or two and because people don't understand it or they miss the overarching concept or they make room for garbage what you know there's a million reasons but well and i know it wasn't a cheap show because they did have special effects they did i mean for the time they were pretty cutting edge they, for they the were mid to late 80s Al uh, walking through solid objects you know <laughs> noises the handheld stuff. computer the handheld computer yeah. the, the period pieces because i mean every episode was a different time period yeah so I get it. I mean, one of my favorite ones is when he goes to Vietnam and when he leaps into Leah Harvey Oswald's right? body. Oh, my God. That was just oh, the conspiracy theories started flying. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah. I have a um, anyway, I won't go down that route either. Because uh, <laughs> that would take several episodes and probably end with me being committed somewhere. Yes. But, well, how exciting that I I struggle with this sometimes because <clears throat> I feel like we should be going forward instead of just rehashing older things. True. Um, not to say that I don't enjoy it. Like, I have only seen one episode of Strange New Worlds, the new Star Trek show, and love it. So that's kind of a rehashing of an old thing. Um so I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about it. Again, the stakes are incredibly low for me because I am not creating any of this content. I don't have to deal with it at all. So it's right. super easy for me to complain about it um, when my livelihood doesn't depend on generating these things. So take me with a grain of salt here. <laughs> and, you know, it's there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of yeah. moving parts. So I. What happens? I don't know. We'll see. I'm. I'm. How exciting! It's a little. It's a little bit of my childhood coming back, but yeah, it's okay. Let's be kind and see what happens. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of being kind and seeing what happens, uh, we won't go too far into Doctor Strange today. No, nope, haven't seen it. Uh, yours truly uh-uh. across the table has not seen it yet. But for the speculators out there, if you do stay for the post credits scene as in two uh we are introduced to a new character that uh is portrayed by Charlize Theron interesting so um it was put to me and this is one of the questions of ask a smurf if you want to ask, ask me anything smurf. by all means please ask me these questions but this is the one that was most pertinent that came through over the last week uh in ask a smurf please send me your questions uh who is Charlize Theron that showed up I had an original theory and that I was wrong with okay I thought it was Valkyrie the original Valkyrie that shows right. up in the Avengers uh books right She's an Asgard. She's blonde. She's she's a Valkyrie, um, not the one that we are accustomed to in the MCU. It actually is Clea. She is also from Earth Earth six one six. Her first appearance is Strange Tales number one twenty six back in nineteen sixty four. She is uh, from the Dark Dimension, and she has the ability to basically just dimension hop. 
and she's been kind of back and forth in uh, a lot of Doctor Strange <coughs> stories, and um, yeah, so that yeah. is who she is, and how that relates to upcoming Marvel well, stories is interesting. It ties back to Loki and the TVA. Yes. Kang. Yes. The dark dimension ties back to WandaVision um, and What If. And even without seeing Doctor Strange, I have a pretty... I have a a high-level view of what's going on. So I don't have all the details, but I am aware generally of the story. So, um, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, So that all ties together with some of the things we've seen before. And it it ties into a lot of our theories of... What what, what is what's the, going on? What's going on? Yeah. I have two things that I am pretty I'm pretty confident in that I'm pretty firm about right now. Okay. One is Young Avengers. Right. That that's coming. Well, Ms. Marvel kind of cemented that. Well, with what we get from America Chavez, uh-huh. who's one of the characters in Doctor Strange, we've got. Scarlet Witch's kids uh-huh. or Young Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling that Hulkling is going to show up out of Ms. Marvel. Right. In addition to... Ms. Marvel. Uh, Ms. 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 There's so many Marvels. <laughs> but everything is pointing that way. And how this story breaks down for Doctor Strange in uh, the Multiverse of Madness really is cementing this for me. Uh, without any spoilers... But that is where I think this is going. And I'm really, I'm really pretty confident with what I saw right. in this film. Okay. It's Secret Wars. We're going for Secret Wars. I've, I have felt that too. That is, yeah, this is not me bandwagoning. We, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but we've talked about it before. And I agree with that 100%. Especially since secret invasions is a real thing that is happening. So, yeah, I agree. Yes. So, I mean, given everything that I saw, and no spoilers, no Tom Cruise, Thank but no spoilers. goodness. He's not in it. But the blacked out character that we see that's part of the Illuminati was a surprise. I know who it is. Yes, you know who it is now. <laughs> but I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Because uh, yeah. it was it was a nice little kind of like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. <laughs> Duh. I don't know. Nobody saw that one coming. But right. damn, I'm feeling a little behind the behind the boat on that one. <laughs> it was like, yikes. Um, but, of course, as we... Um, I will have to sneak away from the party this weekend to go see that movie. I think you should. The... Multiverse did bring in a lot of fun stuff. There's some. I'm hoping we get more of the bull guy. Right. I mean, later on in the comics, doesn't he? Isn't he like the housekeeper for Strange for a while? Isn't he like like yeah. cooking and doing all like? I think so. I think you're right. Excuse me. So I'm I'm very anxious and excited to see where this where this goes. But I really think that we will see. So. It's getting mixed reviews, and I read this really interesting article on NPR yesterday about this movie, and I really want to talk about it, but because I haven't seen it, I'm reluctant to introduce this topic now, um, but just to just, on, to, just to tease it all, oh. there's some comparison, uh, and the NPR reporter, uh, who I would need to look up because their name escapes me at the moment, um, is comparing... Uh, Wanda's track here, I hope I'm not inadvertently spoiling, uh, it's kind of a parallel story to Dark Phoenix. Um, and then there's some there's some feminist implications with that, and I will leave that there. <laughs> you you clearly don't agree with me, and that's okay. I, no, I don't want to... Because without, like you said, without giving spoilers, because I know right. exactly where they're referring and I know exactly okay. where they're drawing the similarities to, and it's a very impressive theory. 
And Dark Phoenix, the character, not Dark Phoenix, the movie. Correct. Like, like they're like the, they're the examining, comics. it's an examination of Wanda Maximoff and Dark Phoenix as characters, not their surrounding films or situations. And again, because I, I'm very familiar with Dark Phoenix, the character, um, and not, I'm, a, I'm current with Wanda in relation to the comic book standing. But again, since I haven't seen this movie, it would just be a total, it would be such a jerky thing to be, to stand here and pontificate about this when I don't really have a context for it. It was an interesting article though. And I'm eager to see how it, how it shapes up. There is a specific scene Mm -hmm. that, um, almost, Proves his hypothesis. Okay. There's a single scene and there's a single moment in the uh, movie that totally you can extrapolate all of what he is saying. Because if you're if you're if you think about the old school comics, if you rise the phoenix uh, and and all of that storyline and how the dark phoenix comes about, there there is a moment that you're like, okay. Okay. I can see it. Right. And with the ending, it leaves you it leaves you questioning. Well, and again, like I don't want to No, no spoilers. You know how much I hate people who just talk and have right. no foundation for the crap that they say. So, I don't want to be one of those people. I want to see the movie and the revisit movie. that article before I start talking about it. But also, let's just take a minute and talk about how important comic book culture has become. It's not that there's an article about Doctor Strange coming from <laughs> National Public Radio, which is, regardless of, of your uh, affiliations, National Public Radio is a heavy hitter. It's a major media outlet, um, and they're generally pretty serious. Uh, so now they're talking about Doctor Strange and Slow News Day. No, no, no. <laughs> I am not knocking it. I think it's fantastic. I love this brave new world where we're not hiding in basements and dark comic shops. True story. Where the, you know the things that we love are on full display mainstream. and and mainstream. So welcome to the mainstream, baby. And in all his glory or dismay, Sam Ramy is on full display play in this film i i was just that is about the only coherent thing you said yesterday just because exhaustion was so high there was a lot of mumbling and and snorting and inappropriate giggling yesterday because we were so tired but that is the one cogent thing you you managed to get out yesterday and we had also we had this parade of visitors in in the office yesterday and so like we weren't going to get a lot of tasks done no anyway and then we we just gave up and started drinking cocktails That's pretty much <laughs> three three o'clock rolls around what do you want to do well it's a little too late the podcast and i could really use a cocktail so <laughs> cocktails it is yeah yeah we had cocktails and talked to red on the phone yeah <laughs> Hi, Red. So uh, Sam Ramey is on full display. We will, I think, save the remainder of this conversation and include some spoilers when Vadim rejoins us. Yay! Because I think that will be one that's worth recording. Yeah. Final thought and our final topic uh, today before Susie and I let you go is going to be, of course, on Moon Knight, which finished. We will save Picard for when... Vadim is here because right. I think that one that should be recorded <laughs> visually as well. And uh, Brave New World, which is premiered last week. Yeah, I'm really uh, excited. Uh, I have not watched, so I want to do Picard and uh, Brave New World side by side, which I think is Excellent. a fair, which I think is a fair comparison. So look forward to that in uh, Vadim's return for recording the podcast. For the video channel. But New Moon Knight ended. It did. And, um, okay. I love, I loved the twist ending. It really wasn't (laughs) that much of a twist ending. Because if you paid attention. If you're not familiar with the comics, that third character came out of nowhere. Not true. If you are not familiar with the comics, that third character came out of nowhere. No. He was there the entire time. The, the, the sarcophagus in Looney Lane 
uh-huh. was him. Uh-huh. Because he was trying to get out. All of the blackout scenes were were him. There were hints the entire time that he I'm was ha- I'm there. having a WandaVision flashback. There, oh, crap, you're right. There were subtle hints, and you... you Oh my gosh, you're you right. Really, it made sense once the final scene happens. Uh-huh. But yeah, 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 yeah. You're there, right. You're there right. were breadcrumbs leading to him the entire time. Even down to the poster okay. where there are three faces leading into oh the Oh my god, Moon you're Night right. Mask. Oh my god, do you know what happened? It just all locked into place. Yeah, it just, <laughs> it just kind of all falls into place. It just all locked into place. I was so busy. Do you ever do this when you're when you're thinking about something so hard you don't remember it I mean that's a dumb thing to say but like or you fart really loud yeah oh well um (laughs) that actually doesn't happen to me (laughs) I'm very sorry it happens to you and I hope to never be present when it does Uh, I never but um for me if I um I kind of live and die by my to-do list and so if I forget to write something down I start thinking about it and it becomes so consuming that I forget to do it. I know right. this makes me sound like an idiot, but that's how my little damaged brain works. And so I think I was thinking about all of Mark's personalities and how that breaks out. And I'm, that's what I'm going to say. That's, that's, yeah. I was so busy thinking about it, I didn't remember it. So all the, I mean, I didn't care for the ending because the whole, like, they did it to us again with the whole, there's a huge fight and then there's a blackout scene right. and we don't see, and it, it's like going to a Godzilla film and not seeing Godzilla. It's like watching the CW and there's a commercial and you come back and all of the bad guys are taken care of. It's just I lazy it. storytelling. It just pisses me off. I like it because these things have been, here's where I'm coming from. The MCU has been all about the fight. I know. Iron Man fights, Hulk fights. I mean, remember, like, Mark's throwaway line, the last time I was in, Har- I, the last time I was in New York, I broke Harlem. It has been <clears throat> all about the fight. And for me, Moon Knight was the moments between the fight. It was very skillfully done. I'm not debating that. No. I was just a little frustrated. I Because it, it just seemed like such a... What I would have liked is maybe like flashbacks, like in between, like punches, or just just to have it just abruptly just cut off and then transition to the end just seemed like it was cheating the audience, just cheating the fans. Because we've been up to this. We're waiting for this this final clash between Ethan Hawke's character and and, and, uh, And, Oscar Isaac, Moon Knight, and we don't get it. We just see him holding this just bloody mess of a man and him just like, you know. I'm going to call back to to what I said when it first started. That that device, that cut, it keeps you as the viewer off balance because Mark is off balance. But it's not Mark, that character. It, It isn't Mark, but the the disconnect is there. Nobody nobody in that world knows what is happening even even the guy even mark and they and steven they don't know what's happening layla doesn't know what's happening and i love the expansion of layla's character here because she doesn't she doesn't appear in this way in the comics and she's kind of a a throwaway character, really, in the in the comics, she doesn't appear very also widely. Hawk's character. Well, yeah, Arthur Harrow appears in one episode or in one, one issue. Comic, yeah. He doesn't even have a story arc. And a friend of mine was, hi Amanda. A friend of mine was saying uh, the other day. I was talking to her about this, um, and she says your brain is magical that you know. That rainbows and unicorns. That Arthur Harrow appears as a one-off villain in a single issue, and I was like, Amanda, that is our job. This, like, don't think that Smurf and I just have all of this magically at our fingertips. I'm doing homework and, oh, and preparation right. for this, so so that I um, don't just sit, sit here and stutter all afternoon. But I mean, it's our job to know. Like, we built our lives on this trivia. <laughs> 
<laughs> so which is funny because Matt Matt yesterday one of our guests that came in was just like Smurf why do you know so much and all these weird facts and did you impress Neil Gaiman with all of your things and I'm like we have nope. to <laughs> I mean I I love this I I look forward to this to our recording days so much because it's so much fun to talk about these things but and and it, so it isn't like going to work. It's not like I sit down in the evenings or like okay, I have to study for the podcast. But it's really, it's so much fun. But we know it because it is our job to know it. It is not like it just inhabits my brain. It, it's there because it well, needs kind to. Of. Um, but and because I love it. So yeah, that's anyway. Uh, I loved Moon Knight. I didn't think I would because I'm not overly keen on the comic series. Um, I've said before that I thought it was a little ridiculous. I love Oscar Isaac. Uh, I did like his flexibility. He deserves all the awards. that he brought to that. Uh, (laughs) I mean. uh, Do you know, um, and I know you hate when I talk about things in this way. What I really love was that we got a story centered around Egypt that wasn't the same old no, like no, I agree fetishizing with of Egyptian culture. We saw a modern city mm-hmm. living in modern times and it wasn't it wasn't like I said, just fetishizing this, you know, ancient mysterious culture. It was vibrant and it was living and it was current and it was substantial and that was fantastic what i hope for and part of one of the scenes that leads me to this is that there's this room with all of the other gods that are imprisoned in statues right what happened to them exactly (laughs) what can we get some of those guys out here so i'm i i hope and of course the director as they wrapped uh the final episode last week said you we will see Moon Knight More. return. Woo-hoo. I don't know if we can take that for face value because you never know with the mouse. I do think at least with um, the actor, with everybody involved in this project, they are they are they, they're movie actors. Yeah, they are. They're, it's not you know ripping someone out of TV. Nope. Which never seem because they never seem to do TV to movie, movie to TV. Sure. Right. But the other way is not that often. So I can see Isaac getting. A Moon Knight movie. I can see him in the Marvel U for uh, the MCU for the Which movies. the MCU leads have been saying, and mm-hmm. you and I both questioned that. I mean, unabashedly, that we were like, well, why would you do that? That's weird. He's not a top tier character. He's, He's kind of a bonkers character. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, like putting forward, not a comment on his mental fitness. No. Um, so it didn't, it seemed. <clears throat> He's a bit more violent than your average character. He's he even is. a little more over the top than the Ronin inspired Hawkeye. Right. He's a lot more drastic than that character. So that just kind of put it into perspective for you. So I, I, could, I could see him filling that hole. I'm interested to see because they you're right they really watered down Ronan for the Hawkeye show. They did. Um we saw that little hateful glint in his eye um when they recruited him back into the Avengers film uh when he encounters Doctor Strange, but that is a that is one of my favorite stories. The Hawkeye stories is when he's Ronan and it is much more brutal and it is much more graphic than we've seen. Yeah, so, so we'll we'll see. I don't I don't know. I'm I'm I don't know. I'm anxious. I'm excited. I'm I don't know what to think. Yeah. Did, did I overall did I like Moon Knight? I liked aspects of it. I'm still annoyed that and up until the final episodes we had two and a half minute screen time of the costume. Right. That that still kind of bugs the shit out of me. But I, I get it. I understand. But still, I love the diverging suits. I love that. I did like that. That the back and that forth was, was fun. so funny that Steven didn't understand the context of some in the suit, some in the suit. So now he's wearing a three piece suit. He's wearing a waistcoat and fighting bad guys. That was 
that was so charming and dress and and (laughs) not only charming but it was incredibly disarming Mm -hmm. and i think it just lent to the overall like again nobody in the story knows what's going on these people are having this extraordinary experience and they're only getting apparently a third of the information and so the thing that irritates you about it is the thing that makes me love it because it keeps everybody out of step Mm -hmm. you don't know what's going on you have to wait for the information to come and then they're still withholding information which i think is genius it is hey you just got your ass kicked by a guy in a three-piece suit and shiny white shoes right (laughs) unbelievable too good too good too good well that kind of wraps up everything i've got unless there's something else in your bonnet we will be we will be at Starfest. We will be at Starfest this coming weekend. The whole gang. Yes. Uh, Red will be there. Jeremy will be there. Vadim will be there. Uh, we will be there. I cannot wait. No, Zach will be there, I think. Zach said he might come by. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the, the 5280 team will be in full representation. I will be hosting the Monster Force Zero screening on Friday night. Yay, yeah. how fun is that? Be fun. And then I got a couple of other panels that I'm doing, I forget. Oh, great. Yeah. We will be, um, Jeremy will probably be visiting Science Fest when he's not at Susie Q's. And we will be, I have some fun stuff for our friends at Starfest. So I can't wait. Absolutely. There will be a video to follow. Vadim will be there and he'll kind of give us a farewell documentary style kind of ending to. Send off of Starfest. So, so. Um, but if you can't make it, Susie's taking appointments to so come and check out her I am. snazzy digs here at come, the studio. Come visit us. Uh, I'm here most Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, um, but you can hit us up for an appointment because I know that that is not convenient shopping time for a lot of you. So just let us know. Just let us know. Yeah. So there you have it. And on that bombshell, we shall say goodbye for now. We'll see you this weekend. Hopefully it's Starfest. Uh, Give us a like, give us a share, tell all your friends about your favorite dirty little secret, me. (laughs) But in the meanwhile, (laughs) run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night.